Well, good morning. It is good to see you. Thanks for being here. My name is Rick. I'm one of the ministers here at First City Church, and along with you, just serving our community. Open up your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 30. Now today, uh, this is one of my favorite subjects. We're in this in a series on Hezekiah. This now he doesn't have his own book. I know it sounds like uh, uh, the name of a, of an Old Testament book. But Hezekiah was an unbelievable man of God, and he made a lot of mistakes, uh, but God really, really loved him. And so we've been studying his life. You can go back the last two weeks and listen to those messages. Last week we were talking about the high standard of God. Hezekiah and Isaiah were contemporaries. Isaiah was the prophet of God. Hezekiah was the king of God's people for uh, Judah, and Jerusalem was the capital, and all of a sudden Samaria was captured uh, up in Israel, uh, a bunch of the Israelites who had moved up there were now abandoned, and those that survived the Assyrian war uh, came down, trickled down back into Jerusalem. And so you have a lot of wounded people. And Hezekiah is just trying to figure out, since he became king, how do I heal a wounded people? Hezekiah's dad did not honor the things of God. He was an evil king. And so Hezekiah didn't have uh, a home that honored the things of God. So here's a young man who becomes king. He wants to follow God, but he doesn't know how. He, he's heard about God. And, but, but he's never seen an example of how somebody follows God with all of his heart. But he's decided that's what he wants to do. He makes a lot of mistakes in the process. And as he looks around him, he sees there's a lot of wounded and hurting people. So we're going we're, we're gonna to go through a lot of scripture. In fact, today's message is, is one of those kind of messages I just can't get off the subject. It's one of my favorite messages of God, which is the amazing grace of God. And the fingerprints of God's amazing grace are all over the place. You, you won't necessarily see the word grace. You'll see the word graciousness, but you won't see the word grace. But you'll see it in, in, in just the, the actions of God on Hezekiah. We live in a community, we live in a world where people, are, I think, have either forgotten about what the grace of God looks like or they've never experienced the grace of God. And so they, they, they ask oftentimes, uh, what must God think about me? Or they'll say, people like me uh, don't belong in a church. Or they'll say, oh my goodness, if I were to come into your church, lightning would strike it. You know, something, something awful would happen. And so I've been going to the mall every Thursday at lunch with a friend of mine. And, and all we do, we just go to the mall all because we want to find somebody that we can talk to, to about God. And I'm not saying this to you because I'm like, say, hey, you know, look at what we're doing. What, I'm, what I want you to know is... I want to remember what it's like to, to, to not just honor the things of God in this building. I want to honor the things of God in our community. And that's where people are really hurting. And so what we'll do is we'll go into the food court and we'll sit down and we'll just begin our prayer. And, and it, it sounds a little weird, but we don't know where to go or who God has prepared for us to go talk to. And so we'll just say, okay, God, we're waiting on you. And you just direct our step. You just lead us in the direction you want us to go. And we're just going to kind of wait. And so at the, by the time we finish our prayer, we're like, well, should we go this way? Should we go this way? Where, we, you know, which direction should we go? And then we just start moving our feet. And God has been so amazing. I've met 
some unbelievably great people that I hope that, you know, that you'll meet here. I saw Marky uh, in, uh, in Belks as, uh, as I was talking with someone, and, and that lady knew Marky. Mark, she's like, well, I think I know everybody in the mall. I love to shop. And, uh, and so that lady's like, hey, and Marky's like, hey, Ann, I know, you know, and they're just talking back and forth. And I'm like, wow, that is, that's awesome. We've met some great people. Let me just tell you, there are several that, that we meet, and they don't know how to handle uh, what we do. I, there's one, I'm hoping that it was a good encounter, I don't know, but I, I was walking and, uh, and as we were walking actually out of Belks, they have a little sitting area. Uh, Bath and Body Works have moved into a little temporary shop over on the side and it's, that's where it's located. There's some, there's some couches and some chairs and stuff and we're walking out and as we're walking there's an older lady who's sitting and she has a cane and she's just staring, you know, I mean, she's just looking and I'm looking at her and, 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 and she's, and I'm looking and she's looking and she's smiling and I'm smiling and I nod and she nods and she just keeps looking. And I just said, good morning, you know, or afternoon. I can't remember what I said. Anyway, we just walked on and the person I was with said, I think you're supposed to talk to her. So I turned around and I went back and I just sat down in the chair next to her, her, her chair was here and I sat down in the chair next to her and she's just smiling and she says, well, hello. And I said, hello, I am sorry. And she said, for what? And I said, well, I'm a, I'm a minister, I'm a pastor at a church and I just walked by you and, and didn't stop, but I think I'm supposed to pray for you. Is there something, I don't even get any more words out. As soon as I just told her what I do for a living, and I think that I'm supposed to pray for you, she just started crying. And she's nodding, and it's, it's tears, and it's a smile, but it's overwhelming her. And I just, I just got on my knee, and I said, I'm so sorry. And, uh, and, and she nods her head, and I said, do I need to walk away? And she said, yes, please. And I said, I love you. And she said, I love you too, in the middle of her tears. And we just walked away. And I'm, I'm like, I hope I didn't wound that lady. But what it felt like was there was something going on and God knew about it and she just needed confirmation. That's, that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping I didn't hurt her. That is not my intent. Well, that was several weeks ago. This week we go back and somebody's sitting in that same chair and it's almost like that's where my eyes go to now. <laughs> this time it's a guy. And so uh, we walk over and, I, and I'm sitting down and I'm, I'm looking at my phone and, and uh, this guy has a, a little girl in his lap and she's just a waving at me and I, I wave back and I, I'm trying not to look like I'm wanting to pounce. And uh, so I just wave and I look back at my phone and she says, you know, hi. And so I said, hi. And I'm like, she never meets a stranger. And he says, no, she doesn't. And I said, that's all. Isn't it fun being a parent? Man, my kids are so old and we just have a little conversation. And it was going pretty well until I told him what to do for a living. And I said, hey, is there anything I can pray for you about? And he looked at me and his eyes were very different than, than the other ladies. And he said, no. And I said, any celebration, any concern, any, any, nope. I said, okay. Then I'm just going to pray that God protects that little girl all the days of her life. I hope you have a good day. I got up and we walked away. And I had to thinking, 
I just think that there's a lot of people in our world who have either been wounded by God or they don't know how gracious God is. And so it just, it's just a reminder that we carry the hope of God into our world. We carry the, the, the amazing grace, the good news of the gospel that God is for you and he's running after you and he wants you to be blessed, to find life, hope, and eternity with him. And we can't ever give up on that message. And it's almost like we've met so many people now through the mall that it's almost like the enemy knows we're coming. And so as soon as we walk into the mall, it almost feels like, okay, so there's somebody here who doesn't want us to meet anybody. Uh, you know, so if, if you've ever done this before, if you've never done it before, come join us, you know, and, and go on Thursday. We, we, we'll go at Thursdays or just meet me there and I'll just meet you in the courtyard. And, and so we're going to go again this Thursday. It's just fun. And we need to remember what it's like to give the message of God. So today I want to show you the amazing grace of God in a world that needs that message. And it's our responsibility to take that message to the world. Amen? So will you look with me in 2 Chronicles chapter 30. The amazing grace of God. Now I'm going to be in the New uh, Living Translation. And so it's just easy for me to read. And you know me, I, I, I want to be theologically correct, but it, that, you know, the sentences just for in my, you know, make sense in my head as I'm reading through it. Now, as God's talking about Hezekiah, let me just show you his amazing grace right from the very beginning. Look at this, 2 Kings 18, verses 5 through 7, at least the first part of verse 7. And Hezekiah, this is God through the Holy Spirit. This is what he's writing about Hezekiah. Hezekiah trusted the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all the commands of the Lord that the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. As soon as I read that, because I've read all of his story, as soon as I read that, I thought, that is not true. <laughs> Hezekiah did not trust God in everything. And if you've read his story, you know, I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm going to show you a little bit more of it today. We talked about it last week, and you can listen to that online if you want. But he did not trust in the Lord in everything. He did not, he wasn't faithful and remained faithful to the Lord in everything. Or he didn't obey all the commands of the Lord. But that was God's vision of him. That is who he became. And so God recorded that for us right at the beginning of his story. And so I, I, what I want you to do when you, when you're, if you're writing and taking notes on that outline or, or in your Bible, you can say, man, this is how God sees him. God sees him as faithful and obedient and trustworthy and in all things, even though he wasn't yet. And what I want you to do is when we walk into this place, we know who we are. Do you think if God were writing something about you, he would say, oh, you trust God with everything. You've been obedient to all his commands. You've been faithful all the days of your life. Could something, that couldn't be said of me. Boy, I wish it could. Now it's who I want to become. So in the process from where we are 
to where God is moving us. How do you see God? You're gonna, we're going to read in one of these passages that the hand of God was on the people. How do you view the hand of God? Is it, is it a hand of judgment? Is it a hand of harshness? Is it a hand of discipline? How dare you? Is that the hand of God? Or to you, is the hand of God gentle and gracious and kind and forgiving? What is the hand of God to you? And it's almost like God at the very beginning is like, okay, I'm going to tell you about a man named Hezekiah. And you're going to see he made a lot of mistakes. But let me tell you how I see him. He's trustworthy. He believes in me. He's faithful. He's obedient. And I love him. And I'm, he's going to be successful with his life. So I, I want you to grab hold of that. Because it's easy for us to forget, but you need to know how God views you and how He sees you, that He has a plan for your life, and that between where you are and where you're going to be, the hand of God is gracious and kind. So let's look at it. So number one, I'm going to show you just three different ways that He's this way with Hezekiah. Number one, when people want more of God, the amazing grace of God is overwhelming when you want more of God. And so the first question I ask myself is, do I want more of God? Do I want more of God? Because Hezekiah, when he, he didn't know how to serve God. Now, all these people were coming down from Samaria. They were coming into Jerusalem. The numbers of that city swole three times its normal size. And they're all coming back, and Hezekiah gets excited. He wants to do something of God. They hadn't had church there in a long time. They haven't observed the Passover in years. The people were not even ready. They didn't even understand or know how to observe that. So if all you do is just read the few verses that I've put in the outline, you're going to miss most of the story. So I'm going to start in verse 1 of chapter 30. King Hezekiah now sent word to all Israel and Judah, and he wrote letters of invitation to the people of Ephraim and Manasseh. He asked everyone to come to the temple of the Lord of Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover of the Lord, the God of Israel. Hey, come on. Let's celebrate the Passover. Let's go to the temple and let's have church. And let's just tell God how gracious he is and how much we love him and how good he's been to us. So the king and his officials and all of the community of Jerusalem decided to celebrate the Passover a month later than usual. Now, if you're reading this and, and, and you, uh, you are in Judaism, you're a Jew, if you you read that, the soundtrack in your head, this is the place in the movie where the music goes dun, 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 dun. They decided to disobey what God said and do it a month later. Uh-oh. You know, this is danger, Will Robinson. I'm showing my age. They were unable to celebrate it at the prescribed time because not enough priests could be purified by then. And the people had not assembled at Jerusalem. This plan for keeping the Passover seemed right to the king. He's like, hey, we just, let's do it anyway. I know that God gave a law, but he's not obeying the law. God, God will forgive us. It's okay. And we talked last week about what is it like? What are you like? Do you uphold the high standard of God or do you find it too easy to compromise and hope that God will bless you anyway? So that's what we talked about last week. So let's continue the story. So now King Hezekiah sends a letter to all the people outside of Jerusalem. And he invites them to come and celebrate the Passover. And this is what he said. Now remember, these people hadn't honored the things of God in years. O people of Israel, return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. 
so that he will return to the few of us who have survived the conquest of the Assyrian kings. Remember, these are the, the survivors of the war, and they are beaten up and hurting. Do not be like your ancestors and relatives who abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and became an object of derision, as you yourselves can see. Do not be stubborn as they were, but submit yourselves to the Lord. Come to His temple, which He has set apart as holy forever. Worship the Lord your God, so that His fierce anger will turn away from you. And this I do have in your outline. Verse 9. For if you return to the Lord, your relatives and your children will be treated mercifully by their captors. And they will be able to return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful. And if you return to Him, He will not continue to turn His face from you. Hezekiah is like, you serve a good God. I know you've gone through a hard time. I know you think God has abandoned you. I know that you've done a lot of things that you're ashamed of. But if you're wondering what God thinks of you, let me tell you, God is waiting to meet with you. And He wants to be gracious and faithful to you. So come and let's meet with God and tell Him thank you and ask for His forgiveness. Well, as usual, you invite a bunch of people to church and people take sides. You talk to some people and they're like, yeah, oh, I'd love to do that. You talk to others and you're like, you must be crazy. So that's exactly what happened here. Verse 10, it's not in your outline. I'm just following the story. The runners went from town to town through Ephraim, Manasseh, and as far as the territory of Zebulun. But, listen to this verse, but most of the people just laughed at the runners and made fun of them. Are you kidding? I am not going to church. You think God is, there is no God. And if there was, He wouldn't like you or me. I'm not going. Verse 12, at the same time, here it is, God's hand was on the people of the land of Judah, giving them all one heart to obey the orders of the king and his officials who were following the word of the Lord. God's hand is on these people. Even though they haven't been worshiping Him, even though what they've done in their lives was horrible that ended up causing their destruction, God's hand was on them because He wanted them to follow Him. It's amazing grace of God. Since many of the people had not purified themselves, I'm in verse 17, the Levites had slaughtered the Passover lamb for them and set them apart. Most of those who came from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun had not purified themselves. So there were a lot of people who said, we're not going, and they made fun of them. There were others who said, maybe I'll go and check it out, but I'm not going through all that purification stuff. I just, I, and so, a lot, so there were a lot of people who assembled, a lot of people who didn't. And then I have this simple prayer. Just look at this amazing prayer, starting in verse... Uh, let's see what verse is that, 18. But King Hezekiah prayed for them and allowed them to eat the Passover meal anyway, even though it was contrary to the requirements of the law. For Hezekiah said, here's his very simple miraculous prayer. May the Lord, who is good, pardon those who decide to follow the Lord, the God of their ancestors, even though they are not properly cleansed for the ceremony. And the Lord listened to Hezekiah's prayer and healed the people. The amazing grace of God. 
you assemble today and we bring our shame with us. We bring our guilt with us. We bring our secrets with us. I know in your heart you want God to bless you. But I know as we assemble, there's a part of us that does not feel worthy of the things of God. That doesn't feel worthy to share in communion. That doesn't feel worthy to bow and pray and say, God, I need you. But the amazing grace of God is that he is for you and he's wanting to lead you into a deeper relationship with you. So if you assemble today and it's in your heart that you want more of God, you need to know God wants more of you. And he is for you. And he is listening to your prayer. And as Hezekiah made this simple prayer, God, we haven't been obedient, but we're wanting more of you. Would you forgive us of our disobedience so that nothing stands in the way of our worship to you? And God said, yes, forgiven. It's amazing. The God you serve is amazing. And so today, I don't want you to continue carrying all the, these things in you that bother you. If it's sin, let's just repent. Let's just get, let's get past it. If it's something that you've done that you're embarrassed or that other people don't know about or, and you wouldn't want anybody to know, give it to God. He's waiting here to take that from you. He's waiting to offer this same grace, this same forgiveness to you. The amazing grace of God. Number two, when you have no way out. This is the, the, the longest and hardest one, you know, in the three amazing, miraculous prayers of Hezekiah. This is back in 2 Kings chapter 18. So if you turn to chapter 18, I'm just going to, look, I got a whole lot of stuff highlighted that I want to read today. So I think all I'm really going to do is not comment a whole lot and just read the Word of God. So, so I'm going to start in verse 19. Here's the situation. And you just imagine this was Pensacola. They're in Jerusalem. The Assyrian army is coming. They'd already threatened, we're coming, we're coming. We're going to destroy you. We're going to destroy you. We're going to take your land. We're going to take away your people. And you're going to be, you're going to be destroyed. Hezekiah has been working really hard to build new walls and, and shore up a water supply and, and gather up a bunch of weapons. He's doing everything he can to try to prepare the people for this oncoming war. But by the time you get to chapter 18 and verse 19... This Assyrian army had completely surrounded the city. You know, we know there was at least 185,000 soldiers. There had to have been more. Well, we know there was more than that, so at least 200,000. And they're all surrounding, and they're all saying, okay, we're going to destroy you. They were the most powerful army in the world. They had not lost a war. Then the king... The Assyrian king, chief of staff, told them, give this message to Hezekiah. Hezekiah, you know, he's, he's in his 30s. He's not very old. This is what the great king of Assyria says. Just what is your confidence? What are you trusting in that makes you so confident today? He's like, 
You think you can stand against me? You think God is on your side? You think you can have confidence in your life or how you're living or your success? What are you basing all this confidence on? Do you think that mere words can substitute for military strength and skill? Who are you counting on that you have rebelled against me? On Egypt? Even if you lean on Egypt, you will be like a reed that splinters beneath the weight of your own spear. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is completely unreliable. So what do you, well, how do you think you're going to get out of this? You're not going to be able to talk yourself out of it. And you can't rely on somebody you think is stronger than you. And even if Egypt were to come over, I have already destroyed them once. And I'll do it again. They're scared of us. He continues, but perhaps you'll say to me, while well, we're trusting in the Lord our God. But isn't he, isn't uh, he the one who insult, was insulted by Hezekiah? Didn't Hezekiah tear down his shrines and altars and make everyone in Judah and Jerusalem worship only at the altar here in Jerusalem? I tell you what, I'll strike a bargain with you. I will give you 2,000 horses if you can find many men to ride them. Let's just listen to his insults. I'll give you 2,000 horses if you got men who can even ride a horse. And with that tiny army of yours, how can you think you can challenge even the weakest contingent of my master's troops? Even with the help of Egypt's chariots and charioteers. Look at verse 25. What's more, do you think we have invaded your land without the Lord's direction? The Lord himself told us, attack this land and destroy it. Was that the truth or a lie? But if you read the rest of the story, you know it's a lie. But if you're already confused, if you haven't been following the things of God, if you don't know how to discern his voice, you don't know if that's the truth or a lie. Did God do that? Does God want to destroy my life? Is the, are the words out of that person's mouth true? Elikim, son of Hilkiah, Seneba, and Job, the, the Assyrian chief of staff, were, said, Please speak to us in Aramaic, for we, are, we understand it well. Don't speak in Hebrew, for the people on the wall will hear. Here's the situation. These three men are on their horses outside the wall of Jerusalem, and they're talking to this army. And they said, would you do us a favor? Stop speaking in Hebrew because all of our people who are up on the wall are listening and they understand Hebrew. Just speak to us in Aramaic. We understand that really well. And he said, but Sennacherib's chief of staff replied, do you think my master sent this message on to you and your master? He wants all the people to hear it for when we put this city under siege, they will suffer along with you and they will be so hungry and thirsty that they will eat their own dung and drink their own urine. Then the chief of staff stood and shouted in Hebrew to all the people on the wall, listen to this message from the king of Assyria. This is what the king says, don't let Hezekiah deceive you. He will never be able to rescue you from my power. Don't let him fool you into trusting in the Lord by saying, the Lord will surely rescue us. This city will never fall into the hands of the king of the Assyrians. Don't listen to Hezekiah. These are the terms of the king of Assyria and he's offering. Make peace with me, open the gates, come out, then each of you can continue eating from your own grapevine and fig tree and drink from your own well. I will arrange to take you to another land just like this one, a land of grain and new wine and bread and vineyards and olive groves and honey. Choose life instead of death. And then I have in your outline, 
verse 20, verse 32, don't listen to Hezekiah when he tries to mislead you by saying, the Lord will rescue us. Verse 35, what God of any nation has ever been able to save its people from my power? So what makes you think that the Lord can rescue Jerusalem from me? Now, if you were that people, how would you feel? You're going up against an army that has never been defeated. You know you don't have enough military power or weapons. You don't have enough men because 120,000 of your finest soldiers just less than 10 years earlier were all killed. They have no way out and they know it. Now you're King Hezekiah. What are you going to do? In chapter 19, Hezekiah did what we all should do when we're facing impossible situations. You got bad news at work. You got bad news at the doctor's office. You got bad news in a relationship. You got a phone call from a family member. Your children won't speak to you. You and your spouse are having a difficult time. You feel overwhelmed. You're, you have no finances in the bank. You think your world is falling apart. What do you do? Chapter 19, verse 14. This is in your outline. After Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it, they just, the king of, of Assyria just put everything down in a document, sent the letter in and said, okay, we're going to invade you. You have no hope. You have no way out. Surrender or die. He went up to the Lord's temple and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed this prayer before the Lord. So he just, he went to his special place spread out the letter, got on his knees, and began to pray this miraculous prayer. O Lord, God of Israel, you have enthroned between the mighty cherubim. You alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth. Bend down, O Lord. Bend down and listen. Bend down, O Lord, and listen. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see Listen to Sennacherib's words of defiance against the living God. It is true, Lord, that the kings of Assyria have destroyed all these nations. And they have thrown the gods of these nations into the fire and burned them. But of course, the Assyrians could destroy them. They were not gods at all. Only idols of wood and stone shaped by human hands. But now, O Lord our God... Rescue us from this power, then all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you alone, O Lord, are God. I've got nowhere to turn. God, if you don't rescue us right here, right now, we will not make it. And that is what we have at least recorded in Scripture the first time that Hezekiah trusted God with all his heart. I've got nowhere else to go, Lord God. I can't talk my way out of it. I can't partner with anybody stronger than me. There's nothing I can do about it. I've got no hope if it's not you. And so, 
I just give myself completely to you. It's, it's emotional to me because I remember exactly where I was the day I did that for the first time in my life. And it was not easy. I had to reveal truth to a lot of people. And I didn't want to. It is not easy trusting God with all your heart to just fall on your knees and humble yourself and be submissive. We want to fight so hard. We want to keep doing what we want to do. We keep going. I can, I can fight my way out of this. I can beat it. I can, do, I, can, I can conquer this. But the enemy, sin, has a way of just wrapping hold of us in such a way. It's almost like God wants to wrestle us to the ground so that we finally give up. And when we do, God gets involved. If you keep reading the story, by the time you get to verse 35, Isaiah got involved. And Isaiah went to this king and he wrote his own letter. O king of Assyria, you think that you're mighty and powerful, but you have done nothing apart from the hand of God. Whatever you conquered, God let you do it. But today you're coming against God's people. And remember I told you two weeks ago, he said, I'm going to put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth and I'm going to drag you back to that own country of yours that you think is so powerful. And when you get home, your boys are going to kill you with their own sword. And after God spoke, verse 35 of your Bible says, that night the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. And when the survivors, surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpse everywhere. And it's verse 37 that one day while he, the king, was worshiping in the temple of his god, Nishrod, his sons, Adramelech and Azures, I guess, killed him with their swords. The word of the Lord came true. I know you think you might be facing impossible circumstances. And oftentimes we are. But God is so good and he is so gracious and he is waiting to rescue you. The difficult part is trust him with all of your heart. You'll have to give up your secrets. You'll have to give up your bad habits. You'll have to repent and turn and change. But for those of you who are brave enough to do it, God will overwhelmingly rescue you. Is there anybody besides me a witness to that? Okay. Man, the amazing grace of God is beautiful, but it requires your faithfulness. And then finally, when you need healing, this is a simple one and it's a short one, but it was the one that was most personal to Hezekiah. In chapter 20, verse 1, about that time Hezekiah became deathly ill and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amaz, went and visited him. And he gave the king this message, this is what the Lord says, set your affairs in order for you're going to die and you will not recover from this illness. Pause. <clears throat> Have you ever gotten news like that? It's still pretty fresh with me because of 
you know, my father's passing this past couple of months. And, but it, it, it drops you to your knees when you get news like that, right? And for Hezekiah, I want you just to see and read in your outline this next line. Verse 2, when Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I've always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. And then he broke down and wept bitterly. He can't even finish his prayer. He just begins his prayer. You know, God, I've really tried to be faithful and I've done the best I can to follow you with all of my heart and I've turned toward you and he can't even get anything else out of his mouth and he just falls and weeps and he just breaks down. He can't even get it out of his mouth. For those of you who've been there, you know what it feels like. And you know, if God doesn't rescue here, I've got no hope. Look at the amazing grace of God. In verse 4, which I don't have in your outline, but verse 4 it says, before Isaiah even got to the middle of the courtyard. In other words, he hadn't even hardly gotten out of Hezekiah's house. And the message of the Lord came to him and says, go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. I love it in the book of Luke where the Bible says that God hears the cries of those who cry out to him day and night and he does not delay in answering them. Thank you, Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears and I will heal you. Three days from now, you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. Hezekiah was seven, he was uh, 39 years old at the time of that prayer. And his prayer was, Lord God, I haven't completed the work that you've given me. There's more to do. We have not completely given you our land, our territory, our hearts. And I want to complete the task. Just, you can read all of the story. And God heard him. And not only did God hear him and tell him he was going to heal him. If you continue reading, God said, and I know that you often want to hear a sign or see a sign or you want to know that that's true. You're waiting on the next test to reveal, okay, it's, it's been removed or, or you're out of danger. He's like, what, what kind of sign can I show you to prove to you right now today that I'm going to heal you? And so Isaiah says it. And we just keep reading the story. Hey, God wants to give you a sign just to show you how gracious he's going to be to you. He's going to add 15 more years to his life. He didn't live forever. No one does. And I just, I feel like I need to say this right now. The goal of life is not to live it long. The goal of life is to give God your whole heart. It doesn't matter whether you are in your 20s, your 30s, a child or, 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 you know, a hundred years old. Suzanne's aunt just turned 100 this past month. The goal of life is to give God your whole heart. But he said, how can I give you a sign? I tell you what, let's do it with the sun. Do you want God to make the sun go down faster? Or do you want to make it go backwards in the sky? And Hezekiah said, well, 
it's nothing for God to make the sun go down or even move a little faster. Why don't you make it go backwards? So they went to the temple, they looked at the steps, and the Bible says God made the sun go back, you know, these, these 10 degrees, these 10 steps. It was actually 10 hours in the sky. The sun went backwards, 10 hours. And 15 degrees representing one year. So he extended his life 15 years. Just, it was a miracle. I don't want you to get caught up on all of the miracle. This is what I want you to hear. God loves you. And it's okay for you to ask God to heal. God, will you heal? I'm asking for you to heal me or to heal this person or, or this relative, to heal my marriage, to heal my son, my daughter. It's, it's, God wants you to ask for those kind of things. And so I know that we, we need healing in relationships and healing. We need, all, we need God, right? And so He wants you to pray those kind of prayers. Now here's my question for you. This sets up what we're going to talk about next week. What was it about Hezekiah's life and prayer that God so powerfully answered him?